Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25. Here's to the winning combination for 2023, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, while supplies last. You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. Fiala, download of Velarde. Wait, and he scores! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Here's Kopitara. Slap shot, he scores! Number four for Kopitara. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. The NHL trade deadline has come and gone, and so Daryl Evans is here to help us make sense of the new NHL landscape facing the Kings with 18 games left on their schedule. Garland Bathe and Austin Stanovich are here to help me crown a King of the Week. And just tossing this out there, while we will be sticking to the Monday and Thursday episode publishing schedule moving forward, there will probably be some bonus episodes sprinkled in over the next week or so as we struggle to catch up with the trades, the new players, what you should expect from them, and of course, the reactions to those trades. A lot of people left that I need to reach out to and talk to. 18 games left in the season, gang. Let's get to it. Time to crown a King of the Week. Joining me this week in person... Two different people making her debut on King of the Week, but not on All the King's Men. Carlin Bathe, how are you doing today, Carlin? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm excellent. And I think making his third King of the Week appearance this week, Austin Stanovich from LA Hockey Now. If you don't already follow Austin Stanovich, you should, because he's got your lineups and your practice updates, and he's one of the core six, according to Todd McClellan. (laughs) (laughs) Austin, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. So, Carlin, you have been briefed on the rules. Yes. We're going to start with you for honorable mention. Honorable mention is Gabe Velarde. Okay. Returning from injury, coming back, he's got, I pulled up the stats right here, four goals the last five games and assists. And if you watch that goal from last night's game against St. Louis, my God, the hands on that man. That was unbelievable, unbelievable skill uh, to see him come back and just surge right back into the Gabe Velarde that everyone knows and he should be. It was incredible, and his ice time just keeps climbing. Started around like 14 minutes or so, up to 18-plus last night, which is great for him. So, Gabe, honorable mention. Boom. An excellent choice. Austin, honorable mention. I'm going to cheat a little and go with two. I'm going to go with the tandem of Corpy and Kopi. Okay. Hey. Andre Kopitar obviously deserves it, but we all know how great Andre Kopitar mm-hmm. is. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's going to get his flowers at some point in this episode, so I'm going to leave him as an honorable mention. Jonas Corposalo, it's never easy coming in a new team. He looked very good in his first game, very calm in the net. He had, according to him, busy feet. I still don't know what that means, but I thought he looked very calm. So I'll give him an honorable mention as well. Yeah, it was funny. The Corposalo game that he played was great. Um, the only negative to it was that there was an opportunity for a really nice moment 
that unfortunately didn't happen. And it was the breakaway that got scored against him. Mm. And I'm not going to blame him or say like it was a bad goal or anything. It just would have been a cool moment if he had made the save. For sure. That's, yeah, and like if the worst thing you can say about a player in his first appearance for a new team is like, well, it wasn't flawless. Um, That's the worst thing yeah. you can say then. Yeah. So then for my uh, honorable mention, I was going to go with uh, Gavrikov and Korpisalo. But since we've talked about Korpisalo, I will just simply make it uh, Gavrikov. Okay. Who has come in and I've seen comparisons to Robin Regeer, which mm-hmm. I don't agree with but interesting but what happens with comparisons a lot these days i think is the surrounding details are similar and so people want the player on the ice <laughs> to be similar and so the comparison gets made i don't think Gavrikov is the same kind of player as robin regeer yeah but i think it's a similar situation in that a, a large body defenseman was brought in to play a very specific role nobody really knew anything about him mm-hmm there was maybe a little like that guy really like to play that role. Are we sure? And then he comes in and plays the role and plays it about as well as you could expect. So I think Gavrikov in the two games we've seen has been exactly what this team needed, not Jacob Chikrin, everybody. (laughs) Uh, But so he is my honorable mention. Uh, Carlin, your runner up. My runner up would be Anjay Kopitar with his four goal performance in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. I think I asked Adrian Kempe after the game, is he even human? And he, it was just like a, I don't know. Is he? <laughs> the man is the ageless wonder. He just does not slow down. And even if you think he's going to, he speeds right back up again. He just, I don't know. He's played this style that has just endured all these years and he looks effortless doing it. That's the other mind blowing thing. He's not, you know, this isn't shade on Blake Lazat, but Blake Lazat, he is the energizer bunny. He's always going and you see him literally see him playing like the most physical, hardest, you know, mosquito in a tent we've heard in Mm -hmm. dark tent and whatnot. You see that. And with Andre, you're like, is there what's going on? How is he this good for so long and just like flawless, you know, chilling like he's chilling play. <laughs> I'm going to reserve further comment on Kopitar because he's going to factor on my list. Love later, it. But excellent pick. Austin, you. your runner up. My runner up is going to be Vladislav Gavrikov. All, right. uh, all the things you said, very true. What I've been very impressed with is his ability to slot in on two different pairings and look like he's played with both Sean Walker and Matt Roy all season. And it's a very difficult thing to do, and to do it at the level he's done it is very impressive. And I think he is exactly the kind of defenseman the Kings need. He's big. He can play physical. He has a long reach that he uses to great effect. So I think he he's my runner-up because I really like what I see from him. He and Roy, regardless of whether or not they play every game or every minute together as a pair, now I think we have an answer to the question, what's your shutdown pair? Oh, yeah. Right? Like, Drew and, and Anderson, um, right there, obviously, your number one pair. They play a multitude of different situations and everything. But now, if it's a penalty kill, if it's 90 seconds left in the game and you're up by one, yeah, 84 and three, you know. Uh, I think, was it Todd that said he's a mirror image of Roy or was it somebody else? I think it was a lot of people said. Or no, right. was it? I don't know who it was. I don't even, yeah. Too much Robert talk. Gear, I, yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, my runner up is Gabriel Velarde. Mm. And Austin and I were talking about him uh, in the uh, in conference room on trade deadline day, talking about 
his spatial awareness. Mm-hmm. And that goal that he scored against St. Louis. First of all, I don't know how many people could actually just physically do it. But before you can actually physically do something, in your mind's eye, you have to see that you want to even try it. Yeah. And in order to even want to try it, you have to see that it's even a possibility. And I don't know how many people in that situation that – I mean, he the, the expression stick handle in a phone booth <laughs> was made for Gabriel Velarde. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's crazy. How, like, how many times, I want to go back and watch, I've already watched it 10 times, but how many different back and forth, back and forth and back and forth and before he even, like, At least four. went. But if you play it in slow-mo, I yeah. feel like it's even more, <laughs> I don't know. He makes so much happen in a two-foot di- diameter, square, what would you say, parameter, diameter, yeah. per- area. Yeah. He's da- he's It's scary, <laughs> dangerous, yeah. yeah, phone booth size. We haven't actually spoken to him about it, I don't think. I don't think I've ever heard him use the phrase, the game slows down. But it's a cliche in sports, right? That for certain types of players, you know, the game slows down. I have to imagine if you're pulling off a move like that, the game is moving in, in you know, in amber compared to everybody else. He sees things differently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Carlin, your king of the week. My king of the week is no longer a king, but it's Jonathan Quick. He was traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets, acquiring those two players that both of you have talked about already. And then second trade in three days to the Vegas Golden Knights. And my God, would the Kings not ever have two cups? There's no chance without that man. Um, he's king of the decade. He's king of the last 16 years. He's He's literally... The king, in my eyes, that I think you've said this, Jesse, is the most important player to this franchise. You would not have the history that this team has had over the last 16 years without that man in net. Um, Yeah, he's king of the last century for me. King of the week, Jonathan Quick. Well said. Yes. Awesome. My king of the week is going to be Gabriel Velarde. Again, echo all the things that everyone said about Gabe Velarde. One of the things about that goal that I really liked, it was the second time he attempted it in that game. He actually, I think, beat Jordan Bank in the first time, didn't get the puck elevated, but it made me think of a conversation I had with Jim Fox at practice yesterday or two days ago where he talked about the way Jim Hiller has improved this power play is not only structurally with the systems, but also he focuses on having players work on individual skills that help them, and I have to imagine that is an individual skill that Jim Hiller has drilled into Gabriel Velarde and to see him pulled off in a game. Again, I don't think there are many guys that can do that, especially at six foot three, 200 to be so physically dominant as well. And then be able to pull off that kind of skill play is a unique skill set that I don't think many guys have on this team. Mm -hmm. I am beginning to transition internally from a too many guys to Zach Dooley's position of there's no such thing as too many guys. And the play of Gabriel Velarde is one of the reasons. The other thing, sorry to cut you yeah, off no there. Problem. The other thing that I just remembered that I like about Gabriel Velarde, after he hit the 20-goal mark, I asked him after the game, you know, if essentially if someone had told you heading into the season, hey, you're going to score 20-plus goals, would you have believed him? And he didn't miss a beat. Yeah, I'm confident in myself. I believe in my game. I definitely would believe I scored 20 goals. And that is what you want to hear 
from one of your offensive leaders. I love hearing that from a guy like Gabe Velarde. And when you look at the roster and the number of guys slotted into the number of positions, you know, there's a world where next year Gabriel Velarde is still on the third line, using air quotes, Mm -hmm. and is still scoring 20 goals (laughs) and is still on the first power play. He'd be on pace for 30 if he didn't get hurt. Exactly. So uh, I just think that's an excellent pick. My king of the week was going to be Andrzej Kopitar. Oh. Uh, because five goals in three games, five goals in two games, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, plus three. Uh, he had had a better week in the faceoff. I'm, I'm looking at it now. It's 48.4% in the faceoff dot. He must have had a rough night last night because it was higher than <laughs> or maybe it was at 50 the day before. But anyway, regardless, uh, captain of a team that honestly, last season I did not expect them to make the playoffs. And down the stretch last year, I said a number of times, and I referenced it a number of times this year, that I thought there was a chance that they would improve but then miss the playoffs because I wasn't sold last year. Mm. I'm sold. Like, this team is really good. This team yes. is really good. Yes. Sort of insane how good this team is. Mm-hmm. And and I see the conversations, and I'm not a fool. I know that the team is not perfect. The, the deficiencies are, are obvious, and anybody who has watched hockey for longer than a few weeks can quickly identify them but nonetheless they are in contention to finish the season in first place in the western conference it is the lesser of the two conferences in terms of competitive balance but he is the captain of this team this is a team that really now only has two guys left from its defining moments in franchise history and you know he doesn't lead the team in scoring because kevin fiala does but he's up there. It's 58 points in 64 games and a plus 11, mm-hmm. which is huge. I think last year he was a minus, and I know all of the issues with plus minus. Last year he was a minus six. This year's a plus 11. How do you remember that? Or do you put that down? I'm looking at it right Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're just so effortlessly like, last year was a minus six. I'm like, what? At this no, no, time I, of year? You I just was, know, I was typing while I was talking because oh, <laughs> I, I knew I wanted to end the sentence on that punch. Oh, um, but Effective. But a strong week. And in a week where a franchise needs its captain to come through, he came through. Yep. And uh, and uh, that was going to be my King of the Week. But, Carlin, your words were so moving and so compelling that, in fact, the King of the Week is Jonathan Quinn. Yes! So, so congratulations. Uh, uh, a, a somber congratulations yeah. to Jonathan Quick, this week's King of the Week. All right, joining me now to talk about the new landscape of the NHL, color commentator Daryl Evans. How are you doing today, Daryl? I'm great, Jess. How are you doing? I'm excellent. There's, what, 18 games left on the schedule? 19, 18, something like that. 18 for the Kings and, uh, you know, as many as uh, 20 games for a couple of other teams, 21 games. Uh, but it's narrowing down. We're down to the, you know, the, the nitty-gritty, the final six weeks. And, you know, once that trade deadline goes by, it's uh, you put your foot on the gas. Now it's you're coming down the home stretch. Now, is it my imagination or was this – Obviously, the trade deadline, the actual day, didn't have uh, you know as many major trades. But in the last whatever week or two, I feel like more high-profile names changed teams this year than in previous years. Is that just my imagination? No, I, I think that's I think that's a pretty realistic view. And I also think that this year, coming down the stretch, there's 
probably more players involved. And I mean, players as teams, uh, more teams think that they can get themselves into the postseason. Um, and, you know, you have a, a, a rash of long-term contracts, older players that contracts were expiring. Uh, so, you know, those type of players went to teams that were in a playoff race. Uh, they weren't committed to, you know, let's say five years after this year or something like that. Need a little bit of an injection. So I think there was a little bit more movement. I think it started a little bit earlier. Everybody was just trying to get the jump on each other, you know, because maybe you win three or four more games, you know, two, three weeks ago. That could be the difference of, you know, getting in, not getting in or, you know, seeding yourself higher than the uh, the team that you're battling with. It started out looking like almost every high-profile player was going to head from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference, but there were some big names moved to Western Conference teams, and the one I want to focus on the most, because it's the one that makes me the least comfortable as a Kings fan, is Ekholm going to the Edmonton Oilers. So let's just start in the Pacific Division. Um, Do you feel like Ekholm makes the Oilers that much stronger? Well, there's no doubt that Ekholm's a quality player. You know, we've played against him for a number of years in Nashville. We see what his value is. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the way he fits, the chemistry of the hockey club, the style. Nashville's always been a very structured team that he's thrived in. He's going to go to Edmonton where it's a little bit more run and gun. And I think they expect him to bring his, his you know, his structured game to that, to that group. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. I think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period, but there's no doubt that, you know, a player like that is going to complement any group that he goes to, whether he's a good fit or not. Uh, there's no there's no way or no reason that he should not fit all the experience that he has, the minutes that he can log. And uh, he's just, uh, you know, a real steady player. So I don't expect his game to, to, to uh, change too much, but I can't tell you exactly I don't think he's going to wow the Edmonton Oilers and make them a completely different team. I think the Edmonton Oilers have already established an identity as to who they are, the way that they play. And one player, let's face it, one player can't change the complexion of a team like that. So most of the other big names, like we said, going from West to East, because that Eastern Conference is so loaded uh, and, and the top, you know, the Atlantic Division alone, Boston, Toronto, Tampa, um, you know, Tom McClellan said, the other day in the in a post was a practice or a morning skate i don't remember which but he said you know yeah boston's having an unbelievable season but would you really want to face any of the other five or six teams at the top of the east um out west there are still some very good teams out west even though maybe the records don't match those of their eastern conference counterparts what is the landscape in the west look like to you are we going to see four teams from the pacific four teams from the central is one division stronger than the other in your mind i think right now the way it's playing out it looks like it could be four and four um you know i'm not uh, sure whether or not one division is stronger than the other i think when you know i just want to make one comment on the east you know i think when you look at the east a lot of the movement that was done there's almost everybody trying to keep up with the joneses i think uh, especially when Toronto made that move, getting Ryan O'Reilly. I think that was a significant move. Although after doing that, I think they made too many moves because now I think they've really you know, tinkered with the chemistry that they built. So I'm not sure how that's going to all play, play out. And Right now it's looking a little bit rough the last couple of games that they've played, but they still might be able to get it on track. Uh, going back to the West, uh, you know, there's a little bit more parity in the West. 
you know, I think, you know, from the beginning of the season, I think a lot of teams figured or a lot of people figured that the Colorado Avalanche would, you know, be right there to, you know, to contend to repeat again. And I don't think they're that far off of that, uh, even though the record doesn't reflect that they've had a rash of injuries. And it's amazing the way they've been able to keep their, you know, their heads above water. And you look at what they've done the last 20 games. I think that's probably a truer indication of what type of team that they are. They're going to be a, you know, a bear to deal with going down the stretch. Uh, so you can't take away anything from them. I think the Edmonton Oilers, with their run last year, uh, now adding a guy like Ekholm, uh, you know, is definitely going to help their hockey club out. And I think the Kings have caught a lot of people's eyes as, as well. Uh, you know, they were a playoff team last year, made some significant changes, uh, most notably at the end of the season, bringing in Kevin Fiala that brought an element to the, you know, to the Kings uh, team that the Kings haven't seen in a long time. So, uh, again, I think the playing field's a little a little more even because there's not as much playoff experience with that group as there is over in the East. I mean, everybody knows Boston, the history they've had, their playoff success. Tampa's had success in the playoffs. Toronto's still looking for success. And then, you know, Carolina's looking to take that next step. The New Jersey Devils are a young team with not a lot of experience, but they've got one hell of a hockey club. So uh, there's going to be some battles. It's going to be some real interesting hockey. And like we say every year, in that first round, there's going to be some teams that potentially could have won the Stanley Cup. They won't even get to the round, second round. The uh, Seattle Kraken, just focusing again at some of the teams at the top of the Pacific, uh, didn't make any moves late. They made one move, I don't know, a month ago, Jacob Megna. Um, this is a young team, young in the sense that they haven't existed for very long, never mind the actual age of the players on their roster. But assuming they maintain their position, it'll be their first time in the playoffs. They play, or at least they played earlier, uh, a style of hockey that is more familiar to me as being quote-unquote playoff-style hockey. What are you looking for out of Seattle uh, as a potential first-time playoff appearance? Yeah, you know, I, I think it, when you look at Seattle, you know, a few people have questioned me, like, you know, why didn't the Kraken go after, you know, guys like Ryan O'Reilly bringing that playoff experience? And I think the answer or the answer that I gave was, well, they're not ready to contend for a cup this year. Um, you know, and Ryan O'Reilly's not going to be there for three or four years when they're probably, if things progress, continue to progress for the Kraken, that'll be probably a more realistic time for them that they can sit there. You know, again, they haven't even made a playoffs yet, let alone talking about winning a round, two rounds, then three, and then eventually four. So uh, I think you stay away from those type of players. Uh, I think they brought some key veterans in in the last, you know, in a couple of years that they've been there to be able to create a core. They're trying to establish an identity, and I, you know, I think uh, management ownership did a good job at you know showing that uh, they're committed to that group and they want to give them a chance to see what they're capable of doing. Now, you know, they'll fall, they'll find out where their shortcomings are, you know, whether it's defense, offense, goaltending, power play, penalty kill, and then they can make those moves from there. So I think they'll. Regardless if they get in the playoffs or don't get in the playoffs, uh, right now they're playing playoff hockey, and they've been doing that basically from the beginning of the season. So it's been a great learning uh, year for them. Uh, would I be surprised to see them get in the playoffs? Absolutely not. Uh, they're, you know, the style of play is uh, very team-oriented. They don't heavily reply, re, uh, rely upon one player. They carry the team on their shoulders. They get different contributors on different nights. And uh, they, they seem to all been able to elevate their game it's come together, uh, you know, collectively through the course of the year. So they'll be there, you know, right down to the right down to the last game. And, uh, you know, again, a credit to them for the work that they've done and the personnel that they put together. 
Let's talk real quick about the three players the Kings acquired at the trade deadline. Uh, Vladimir Gavrikov, Jonas Corposalo, and Zach McEwen. I keep wanting to call Zach McEwen Todd McEwen, I think, because I'm so <laughs> used to saying Todd McClellan, but it's Zach McEwen. Um, we've seen Corposalo in one game, Gavrikov in two games. We've not yet seen McEwen play in a game. Uh, anything that you particularly like uh, that you've seen so far on the ice during uh, games from the the duo that have played? Uh, well, I think in the guys that the Kings have acquired, uh, Gavrikov is something that the Kings have been looking for for probably a couple of years. Uh, you know, a big left shot defenseman, uh, you know, not necessarily somebody who's going to wow you with numbers, but that's not necessarily what they need. They need that structured guy. I think they've got enough guys, you know, especially in the next generation coming, uh, you know, the guys like Clark and Spence and, you know, Dersey, who's in the lineup right now. So you need anchors on, you know, on, on their opposite sides, on their flanks to be able to help them out and allow them to be able to play their game, uh, you know, to its fullest. So I think he uh, w- was a real key acquisition for the Kings. Um, you know, I think had, uh, you know, had he been acquired, you know, earlier, I think you'd probably see a lot different you know, play from the Kings at certain times through the course of the year, I think he would have had an impact. Uh, I like what I've seen in the first couple of games. Uh, his minutes have been elevated. Uh, he should be real solid on the penalty kill. You can tell the length that he has out there. The physical presence that he provides is uh, is definitely a welcoming thing to the team. And it'll, it'll help them out, especially, you know, at this time of the year when the games get a little heavier. And uh, he's exactly what they're looking for. He's got relatively enough experience and yet he's still young enough so he's fresh uh he'll be hungry corpus Allo last night i thought he did a real solid game he got in there he he found the puck uh you know, he didn't have to make a lot of you know grade a you know plus sa- type of saves uh even talking to him today he commented on how well the team and the structure that they played he said they did a great job in front of me he says i knew that where the puck was coming from they cleared guys out and so I think that's a credit to the you know the, the system that the coaching staff has put in place. Uh, he's a big presence in there. I think he's a little bit uh, – there's a lot of similarities between he and Phoenix Copley. Uh, maybe a little bit more movement in his game than Copley's game. Uh, I think he's got quick legs, uh, maybe a little quicker than I recall seeing him, you know, when the Kings have played against him. We haven't seen him a lot, but – uh, you know, the early, the early signs are, and I like to watch goalies in practice. I'll stand in behind the net there just to kind of see, you know, where the reads are and come from that. And uh, he seems to be, uh, you know, technically pretty sound. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, it's, you know, it's nice to see the Kings have, you know, th- that option, that flexibility in that position. And then with McEwen, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, t- Todd McClellan's said to us that, you know, they needed some right-handed shots. Uh, you know, he and Lemieux are very similar in the element that they bring, uh, physicality, uh, you know, not afraid to put the gloves down and things like that. But he's a right-handed shot that maybe allows the Kings to line up a little differently. So, um, you know, I think uh, should be, uh, should be an injection of some energy, some new blood. And, again, a credit to, you know, the core that is in place, you know, starting off with, you know, Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty, guys that have been there, you know, I'm going to say since day one, but for the last, you know, the, you know, 15 years that uh, they provide a great environment for new guys to come in. And you, all you have to do is look at guys like Deneau, Arvidsson, uh, Fiala, Edler, all the guys that have come over, you know, come over in the last, you know, couple few years. They've done a great job at embracing those guys. 
And I expect the core that's in place right now, they'll do the same thing with these new guys and they'll allow them a platform to be able to thrive on and be able to contribute to, to, to the Kings and uh, have them uh, provide uh, some success moving forward. All three of the new players acquired have talked about, uh, have been asked directly and then talked about how nice it is to now have games to play that are meaningful, you know, relevant hockey at the relevant time of the year. Well, what does that do, not just to those players, but also to the rest of the room to suddenly have three new players that are energized by that opportunity? Oh, I think it's a breath of fresh air, you know, and it's not to say that the Kings, uh, you know, didn't have that type of energy. I think, you know, even though they got themselves into the playoffs last year, uh, you get to this time of year and, you know, whether you're in a playoff position or you're a couple of points out, you know, it's just that that that, that intensity. This is what you play 82 games for is to get to, you know, to this stage of the season. And when these games become meaningful, as we call them, playoff, so to, get, so, uh, so to speak, games, I think, you know, that phrase probably starts all the way back in October. You know, like there's, you can't let games slide away because of the parity, you know, in the league. You know, you find yourself too big a hole right off the bat. You're going to get yourself in trouble. Uh, I think you saw the teams that, you know, struggled out of the gate. And they're the teams that are still struggling right now. I mean, it wasn't they were good teams real early and then they fell off or they were bad teams and, you know, just couldn't quite catch up. Uh, you know, the, the start of the season is uh, is just as important as the end of the season. It's just now these games become a little bit more magnified. And I think what the Kings have learned over the last couple of years uh, has prepared them better for this. Uh, the commitment by management and ownership to go out and acquire the players, you know, that we've just talked about here most recently, these three, and then going back to Dano, Arvidsson, Edler, and Fiala, uh, is definitely changed the you know the uh, the complexion of this hockey club. It's a whole different look than they were three four years ago, and it's a different style of game right now. So uh, Kings have definitely put themselves in a good position, and you know now they're going to be measured upon what they do you know from this point on in. So uh, you know the workload is ahead of them. Uh, they've worked hard to get to this point, but uh, you know th- 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 it's just beginning now for them, and uh, I'm real excited to see the way this team performs. I think they have you know, the makings to, to have success and uh, they have the elements, the key pieces that they put in place. And I think they're well coached and uh, we'll see how it all plays out. You and I have talked a, a few times now about the fact that I was um, not necessarily sold on the team's success last year. I just sort of thought it was like, oh, hey, what a neat, uh, what a, you know, happy coincidence that they wound up in the playoff spot. I may be undersold to myself uh, how they're doing it. But this year now that the trade deadline is in the in the rearview mirror and the roster is more or less set moving forward. Um, I find myself more and more optimistic about what this team is capable of without trying to set expectations too high. Um, I just see, I see what they've done to this point in the season. You know, obviously like last year they played, what was it? 14 defensemen this year. They've had a relatively healthy blue line, Knockwood. Um, we see all those forwards that you just listed and mentioned, you know, contributing to the offense. Um, Todd McClellan's system seems pretty clearly in place. If you look at the numbers, you know, the effectiveness of the defensive system on the, uh, on the team. It's a really long build up to, should I have, do I have reason for my optimism essentially? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think you have to be optimistic. Uh, you know, uh, last year when the commitment went out and they acquired the guys that they did. I felt they could contend for a playoff position. And I said that last year before the season started. So when they got in the playoffs, I wasn't surprised. 
Um, and I thought they did it, you know, one hell of a job in the playoffs going seven games with the Oilers last year. They didn't know how to win at this time of year. This year, they've got a pretty good, pretty good taste of, of what it takes. Um, now to say it's going to be easy, of course, that's not the case. I mean, you know, you know, you go, even go back to the series between the Kings and, you know, Vegas, when Vegas first came in that first year, the Kings allowed seven goals in almost five games of hockey. If you would have told me that, I would have told you, well, Kings probably swept a series. Well, the Kings never even got a win, never mind swept a series. So it's it's that fine of line. Uh, you know, health uh, is a big part of it as well. I think the Kings now are a deeper hockey club than they were last year, being able to match up and line up with a lot of teams, whether you're at home or on the road. Uh, and we've seen flexibility by putting guys like Velarde, Byfield most recently on the wing. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of options. The Kings are not an easy team to play against. And again, that's a credit to management, ownership, committing to going out and getting the pieces to the puzzle and trying to put it together. And uh, they're massaging it nicely right now. And uh, again, it's, uh, this is the exciting time of the year. And, you know, they're in a situation right now, you know, there's a, you know, they got a big game coming up with Colorado this next week. And that really is only the, the only team that's in a playoff spot. But I think the more challenging games are the other ones that they're going to play against the other teams. And that's bringing that game, getting, being mentally dialed in, uh, sticking to the systems. Don't try to get away from your game. And so far, you know, at the, at the beginning of this homestand here, the Kings have done a really good job at that, finding a way to, to get a win. And, you know, they lead the NHL with 21 goal uh, victories this year. So they're, they're accustomed to playing in tight games. And, and that's what we're going to see from here on in. Excellent. Well, Daryl Evans, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Jess. Have a great day. We'll see you at the rink tomorrow or today for those to people listening <laughs> to it. All right. Take it easy, Daryl.